I like that every time I say testing, testing to check the microphones before we start recording, Maddie refuses to actually speak. She either like blows in the microphone, makes a weird noise or like hits the microphone. And then when I'm editing, I'm like, oh, like, yeah, no, it's always some kind of sharp noise. I'm like, thanks, Madison. All I need to know if if my microphone is working, is it plugged in? You know what Phoenix says? What? She says cheeseburger, cheeseburger, or some random two words instead of testing, testing. I'm like, As she should. Why? Why say testing, testing? I, I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know. It's just funny that she like just makes up something different. Yeah. So also when we did our episode Vanished in the Georgia Wilderness, when we were talking about Christopher Thompson, we referenced or made a reference to a previous case that we thought had similar undertones to this case. Yeah. You know. We are sorry to the families, of course. I'm not sorry to anyone else personally. Just I know. Same. Just sorry for saying the wrong name for your loved one who's missing. And I know that both of those cases are still unsolved and... Wait, is the... All of them. All three cases are unsolved. Still unsolved, yeah. mm-hmm. which is always terrible. We hate the unsolved cases, Well, I just hate sure. that these families don't get any closure. You know, your loved one's missing. I know. You, you're never going to know what's going to happen. You're probably going to die not knowing what happened to your family member, and I think that that's horrible. Anyway, hopefully everybody's having a great week. This episode is going to be a couple days late because we just didn't get it done. I've been out on a couple searches this week. I've been super busy. I've done a little bit of hiking. Maddie's been super busy as well. So we just like did not find the time to record. No. But we're here now. Today, as promised, we are covering the case of Chris Fowler. And he is another hiker that went missing from the PCT. Pacific Crest Trail, which is the one on our side, right? Mm-hmm. Well, here we go again, doing two cases in a row that sound the exact same. That sounds similar. Because <laughs> apparently that's a theme you like to go off of. Well, it's like I'll be researching a case and then I'll come across like, oh, and then there's this other case that's right next door to where this case happened. And are they connected is usually the question that is asked in my research. You know, like, could this be connected to one of these three cases that have similar undertones to it? So it just happens that way. Now, Chris would disappear in 2016 at the age of 34. He was born in 1982 in Norfolk, Virginia, to Sue and Mike Fowler. Born in 1982, which would make him the exact same age as me. Congratulations. There are other people born in the same year as you. I'm just saying this guy is the same age as me. When Chris was two, the family would relocate to Dayton, Ohio. He was a happy kid and made friends easily. Chris was young when his mom passed away, and his dad would remarry a woman named Sally Guyton, who became very close to Chris, who was only 10 when she came into his life. So Sally, in our case here, is his stepmom, But we will actually be referring to her as his mom because she's very involved in the search for him. Chris, call your mom is like the big thing in this case. So if that gets a little confusing, that's why. The family would relocate to Beaver Creek, Ohio, 
where Chris did well in school and he was a natural athlete playing baseball and football. He loved the outdoors and the family spent a lot of time camping and hiking and doing things outdoors. Chris also loved photography, which went really well with his love of nature because he's already out there and has things to take pictures of. In 2000, he graduated from high school, and by 2006, he graduated college with a BS in marketing. He worked full-time through college, so it took him a little longer to get his degree. But he continued to spend his time in the outdoors and loved to travel. In 2008, he would marry a girl named Jen and move to Cincinnati. But by the time 2016 rolled around, Chris had recently been divorced He had left his job and moved back to Beaver Creek, Ohio to live with his dad. And in February of 2016, he moved to Wyoming for a job. But in March, he would move in with his friend Colin and start training for the PCT, which the two planned to start together. He seemed excited about things changing in his life and was looking forward to getting out on the trail. So, the Pacific Crest Trail, we all know it, but I'll talk about it again. So, it runs from the southern tip of California all the way up to Washington, Canada. Does it go into Canada? It it goes to the Washington-Canadian border. It starts on the border of California and Mexico and goes to the border of Washington and Canada. So, the Pacific Crest Trail, talk about it again because we just had a whole conversation about it. (laughs) Um... So it goes all the way from the Mexi- the Mexico border, Mexico-California border, all the way up and pops right over the Canadian border. Mm-hmm. And it is over 2,000 miles. And most people walk the PCT from south to north, right? Walk South to north, yeah, yeah, because of the snow. He would start his hike in spring at the California-Mexico border. Mm-hmm. Chris had mailed himself over 20 packages of food and supplies at, like, you know, at stops around the trail. Mm -hmm. Which most PCT hikers do this. Mm -hmm. And they also do it so that their family can send them things as well. So Chris gave his family a list of all the addresses where he sent himself packages so that they could send him stuff if they wanted while he was gone. On May 7th of 2016... Colin and Chris would fly to Los Angeles to start their trek. Why are they flying to Los Angeles? They did a weird thing. They started in one spot and they went backwards and then they hitched a ride back to where they started. And I'm not sure why they did that, but they did that. Okay, well, I'm already judging them. Why the fuck would you do that? I couldn't actually find any reason for why they did this it could just be it was cheaper to fly in there or it could be that they were staying with a friend there i have no idea i couldn't find why they had chosen to do this i need to know why they did that because that's fucking weird if anybody knows why let maddie know because it's driving her nuts i I do not understand the two would set out on may 8 of 2016 which was mother's day and chris would send his mom a text message saying Happy Mother's Day from the PCT, I love you, along with a picture. So Chris and Colin, their plan from the beginning was to hike their own hike, right? 
They're starting the hike together, but they don't necessarily intend to stay together the entire hike, if that makes sense. It's a long-ass hike to stay with somebody. It's a long hike to stay with somebody, especially if you don't know what your pace is going to be with that person. And they would quickly learn that Chris's pace was a little slower than Colin's pace. And part of this was that Chris really liked to stop and take pictures. And this would hold him up sometimes. So they started at Warner Springs and had to first hike 100 miles south to the southern terminus, which is the normal start of the PCT. Again, we're not sure why they did this, but they did. They then hitched a ride back to Warner Springs and headed north to continue their PCT hike. They would enjoy each other's company, set up camp together, but like we said, soon they would start to separate. Initially, they kind of leapfrogged each other, And then Colin would pull ahead of Chris, which they kind of thought might happen from the beginning. Chris would make plenty of friends along the way and would hike for a time with other hikers. So lots of hikers are like, oh, yeah, I hiked with Chris for a while. In June, his mom hadn't heard from him and started calling people. She called to see if his packages had been picked up and messaged people online. And Chris was told by someone to call his mom. And when he did, he was like, don't do that. I'm a grown-ass man. Guessing he was a little embarrassed that all these people were trying to track him down. And they're like, Chris, call your mom. Like, this became a big running joke for Chris and his family and hikers along the way. So, the two would make an agreement. She said that as long as he checked in with her or his dad every two weeks, she wouldn't do that again. I would definitely do that to you if you like just stopped communicating with me while out on the PCT or something. Maddie, I will call your mom. do the PCT just to ignore you on the PCT, just to do this to you. I'm literally just going to show up along the PCT and be like, what the fuck about it? You're never going to find me. I will find you. You're not going to. I think you, you're having too much faith in your ability. To you know, you're not someone. supposed to start rebelling. Once you become an adult. <laughs> I I don't think there's... It's, first of all, too late for anything. At all. And I don't know what you expect. Honestly. <laughs> I don't know. Uh... Now, Chris would keep his word and was in touch with not only his parents, but also with friends and other family. His mom spoke to Chris on September 30. And he reported that he was doing good, but he was tired, but determined to finish. Now, on October 9th or 10th, Chris made it to Packwood, where he found what he thought was an abandoned trailer, and he would crash there for the night. Now, you might think this sounds a little ballsy, but there are actually a lot of places along the PCT where people crash. Remember we talked about Mike's place? where he's got trailers there and people can crash there. So turns out this was not an abandoned trailer. (laughs) And in the morning, Chris went to go and get coffee and food. And the owner of the trailer came home and found Chris's backpack and actually called the police. (laughs) That'd be so embarrassing. Chris would apologize profusely and 
Marilyn, the owner of the trailer, would make him a meatloaf sandwich before he left, and they actually got to talking a lot, and Chris ended up staying another night. And she tried to convince him not to continue into the bad weather because there was a storm coming. He also asked for another meatloaf sandwich because he was so hungry and he'd been trying to avoid meat while hiking the PCT. And he said it was the best thing he'd ever eaten. (laughs) I mean, who doesn't love a good meatloaf sandwich? I don't know. When Chris left, he headed into town. We know he went to the local hardware store and he bought a bundle of wood, matches, and some fingerless gloves. We know he went to the post office where he mailed something, priority mail for $7 and some cents. But we have no idea what he mailed or to whom. But he did pay $7 and some cents for a priority mail item to be sent off. He went to Cracker and Barrel in an attempt to find a new phone charger. Crack and Barrel or Cracker Barrel? I think it's Cracker and Barrel. Crack and Barrel. I don't know. I thought, isn't Cracker and Barrel a restaurant? Cracker Barrel. Cracker Barrel. Isn't that a restaurant? It is, but it's not just a restaurant, Mom. What is it? It's a restaurant and a store combined. Okay. So it's probably Cracker Barrel then. So Cracker Barrel is like this really scary restaurant that you go to and it's like a breakfast. It's like a southern. It's like a southern breakfast place. Okay. And it's like usually outside looks like a old farmhouse type of look. Okay. And it's all wood and there's like rocking chairs out front always. And like (laughs) you walk in and it's like a, a little like storefront like there's all this candy stuffed animals like it's almost like a like a tourist shop it it has all sorts of different things that are in this little shop i was wondering because i was like isn't cracker barrel a restaurant like why is he going there to get a phone charger it is but there would there might there's probably phone chargers at cracker barrel okay but either way they did not have the charger that chris needed okay An employee there, though, offered to drive him to the next town, but couldn't do it until the following day. But he really wanted to get back on the trail. She did give him a free burrito, and he made a call to an 800 number where he spoke for 20 minutes. But it was never determined who he spoke to for this 1-800 number. He then stopped at a gas station and spent about $3. We don't know exactly what he bought. Now... We know it is October 12 when Chris makes his way to White Pass, and we know it's around 3.30 in the afternoon, and the reason we know this is because of a woman named Julie Jenkins. She reported, My husband and I gave Chris a ride on October 12 around 3.30 p.m. We drove him from Packwood to White Pass. So Packwood is the town where he's getting, going to the Cracker Barrel and doing all of that. He seemed very eager to get back on the trail and wanted to get some miles in before the storm arrived. He had lots of energy, and I believe he had mentioned that he had slept in town the night before. He did. He slept in what he thought was the abandoned trailer. We took a picture of him before he got on the trail, and he asked for my email info so we could continue to correspond. So as you can see, he kind of like makes friends everywhere that he goes. He's getting free burritos. People are giving him rides. Like, people really seem to like him. 
She said, I've posted the picture we took on October 12th. Please let me know if there are any questions you have or if there's anything else we can help you with. Now, the picture that she took, he kind of looks caught off guard by it. Like he doesn't look like he's ready for it. He's kind of got his hand up. He's holding an Ace Hardware bag, like a paper sack. He's got sandals on, which, by the way, is what he hiked the PCT in. They're like Tevas. He didn't have boots? No, he didn't like boots. He hiked in Tevas or sandals. They look like Tevas, but they're probably not. He's wearing pants. He's got a hooded long-sleeved, what looks like a hooded long-sleeved shirt on, and then a rain jacket over top of that, and a gray and blue beanie. You can see his backpack. You can see things sticking off of it. There's like a blue tarp-looking thing. There's a pad. It looks like to me in the picture that he was talk. they were talking. Like he's like mid-sentence maybe. And she was like, wait a second, let me get a picture of you before you go back on the trail. And right. she just like snapped a photo of him. So good for her getting a picture of him. It's kind of crazy that there's actually a picture from the last eyewitness that we have to see Chris. Now, White Pass is in Washington. So we are in Washington at this point. And Chris is now less than 400 miles from the end of his journey on the PCT. I think it's something like 366 miles And at this point, a pretty bad storm is about to roll in. Rain and snow are expected. Chris actually texts Amber, or Ultraviolet, which is a backpacker that he had hiked with, and he tried calling his dad, but there was no answer. And like I said, this would be the last known sighting of Chris. Hikers had actually started to flee the trail in order to avoid this storm, So there were even less people on the trail at the time. Now, at 5.43 p.m., Chris's phone signal would disappear from the satellite view. There's only one tower in this area, so they could not triangulate his exact location when this last phone ping happened. But either his phone dies at this point or he leaves the area where there is a signal. But we know he didn't find a phone charger. So I think either is very possible because in the White Pass area, reception is really spotty. Now, by the end of October, so that's October 12th, right? By the end of October, his family is getting concerned because they had stopped hearing from Chris, even though he had been consistent with checking in since he had made the deal with his mom. Another thing about the Washington section of the PCT It is a lot more isolated than the rest of the trail, and cell service and towns to stop in are much more sparse. So you're not coming across towns and stores and places as often on the Washington side as you do in the rest of the trail. The trees are really dense. The terrain can be very difficult, and cell service just isn't what it is everywhere else. Which is why Maddie and I never have service when we go hiking. Now, Chris's mom reached out to Amber or Ultraviolet because he had told his mom about her. Because the two had actually spent a couple months hiking together. 
So they spent a long portion of this trail together. Amber described him as funny and stubborn and a smell-the-roses kind of hiker. She had left the trail in the beginning of October, so not long before Chris went missing. Because of the coming weather and the fact that she had been homesick for a while. And before parting ways, she made him promise to activate his spot tracker, which he had been carrying his entire hike, but had not activated yet. That kills me. It kills me. Now, a spot device cost about $400. He had gotten it as a gift from one of his family members. And the activation fee is about $100 a year. The cost, or just the work included in activating it, are the only reasons I can think of that he might not have taken the time to do it. Plus, he'd made it this far without needing it, but he was still carrying it. But he was very focused on getting his phone to work and maybe thought that this was a priority since his map was said to be on his phone. Right? So if he's focused on trying to get a charger that works for his phone, he's trying to get that working, maybe the spot device just became a second priority. Regardless of the reason, he would not keep his promise to Amber and his spot device was never activated. Ugh. But she had kept in contact with Chris and said that another hiker had given him a tent recently, which was a relief to her since he had been using a hammock thus far and was approaching not only colder weather but snow as well. The tent had come from another hiker that was actually leaving the trail in order to avoid the bad weather. And this happens a lot, actually. When people are getting ready to leave the trail, a lot of times they'll give some of their gear away. Or if there's a hiker that's going to continue, they'll try to help them out. Like, people are very giving on the trail. We also talked about, like, the hiker boxes that are at a lot of spots along the way where people will leave gear they don't need so that other people can pick it up. Now, Amber would tell Chris's mom that she had texted with him on October 12th. And he had told her that he was having phone issues and was trying to get a new charger. And this information made his family feel better as it might have explained why they hadn't heard from him. So they're like, okay, we haven't heard from Chris, but he's in Washington and we know he's having phone trouble. So that could explain why we haven't heard from him. But after another week of no contact, their worry was back. They contacted all the locations that Chris had mailed himself packages, and when they realized that he had stopped picking them up, they contacted authorities. It would take until October 31st before authorities would agree that Chris was missing, and he would be listed as a missing person, and searching would finally begin. October 31st, so weeks. It's been weeks at this point. So five counties would be involved in a two-week search that would be called off due to weather. Ugh. Two weeks. That's all he got. So his mom, Sally, would travel to Washington with her boyfriend and her brother, Rick, and they would spend 11 days to track his final known movements. But they would find nothing. So there are some sightings, but obviously, you know, can't really confirm any of these sightings because it's just 
hikers and other people being like, oh, I saw him right. here. And we see that a lot, especially on the PCT or bigger hikes like this, where there can be multiple people hiking at the same time that even have the same trail name or look similar to each other and get mixed up along well, the way. Also, to look like someone, all you have to do is have two different characteristics in common and someone thinks you look like somebody else so it doesn't take a whole lot of work to mix people up you know yeah well and chris's trail name is sherpa and there was also another sherpa when hikers started going through trail books they're like oh sherpa signed in here on this day and then they'd find out it was the other hiker that was named sherpa so it's really it can be really hard to authenticate some of the sightings or even the trail registry books when there's overlap like that. So they found a hiker named Alex who believed he saw Chris about four miles north of Laughing Creek on October 13th. And this was north of White Pass. So it is in the direction that Chris would have been going, but he didn't get a great look at the hiker. Right. I think if I remember correctly, I believe he had been in his tent Heard somebody approaching, popped his head out of the tent and saw the hiker going by kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So he didn't get a great look and he didn't talk to him. But it he matched the description of Chris. And it would have been in the area around the time that he would have been there. Who else can match the description of Chris? 20 million other hikers. Anyone who slightly resembles Shaggy from Scooby-Doo falls underneath this description. It's so true. It's so true. Of this man. A bartender in Greenwater said that she had seen Chris on the 14th of October. She said that she had offered him a free sandwich, which he turned down. What hiker is going to turn down a free sandwich? He just got a free burrito two days before. Okay, I also don't understand why he would turn down the sandwich, but what if the place was really nasty and he saw something gross behind there and then she goes, you want a free sandwich? And no, he's like, I, I, I'm thinking he's still going to take the free sandwich. He's eating fucking dry food on the trail. Mountain house meals, probably. Like, if Chris had made it to Chinook Pass, which is two days north of where he was last seen at White Pass, how was he confirmed at White Pass again? The picture, the lady that took oh, the picture. Oh, that's mm-hmm. White Pass. We know he was at White Pass. Okay, gotcha. So... He would have had to hitch 25 miles down State Route 410 in order to find himself in Greenwater. So, what if he just walked? Possible 25 miles? No. He wouldn't have made it in time. This is supposedly on the 14th. He's seen on the 12th, and it's a two-day hike to get to there, and then you add the 25 miles. So a 22-day hike to get to where he would have had to hitch 25 miles to get into town. So maybe, maybe he wanted to get into a town in order to find a phone charger. Okay, possible. But choosing to go 25 miles, hitching a ride. Out of the way. And then not taking the free sandwich. Would be weird. Would be weird. Um, He would have had to hitch 25 miles out of his way. In the wrong direction. Yeah. But she did say that he said his name was Sherpa. Which, I mean, I don't know. She could be mistaken. 
She could be lying. Why are you telling a random bartender? Why are you introducing yourself as your trailman? And you're not getting, you're just drinking water there and you're not going to take a free sandwich. Why are you interacting with or a bartender? Get a beer? Yeah, I don't know. Anyway. Anyway. So then we have a clerk at a gas station in Mazama. Mm-hmm. This clerk said that he had sold a Butterfinger to Chris and his family confirmed that he did like Butterfingers. Who fucking doesn't? And also, anyone can get any candy because sometimes I get out-of-pocket candies that I don't really like. And Well, especially when hiking, too. Yeah. When I hike, I eat paydays because they don't have chocolate. They don't melt. So it's just like the, the caramel and the oh, I eat a payday every day. I, I would eat a payday all the They're time. They're so good. From White Pass to Mazama. Which this sighting was allegedly on the 22nd. That would be about 200 and, 297 miles which he would have had to do in 10 days. That's about 29 miles per day. Right, which is a little high for Chris. But at the end of the day, footage at the gas station would actually contradict his account. And no transaction could be found that matched this purchase. So he just lied about it? Lied, mistaken. I mean, I don't know. That's the thing. Like, all of these sightings, people say that he called himself by name. But... You know. On October 22nd, a construction worker believed that he had given Chris a ride to Stevens Pass. At least he said he believed he had given him a ride. Construction worker believed that he had given Chris a ride to Stevens Pass. And this is about 169 miles past White Pass, which this is about 10 days later. Right, because it's the same day as the gas station sighting. So this would have been about 17 miles per day, which I think is pretty doable especially doable i feel like if he's trying to get out of that weather like if he's trying to get out and get past because he was really anxious to keep going so he might be trying to go faster especially because he doesn't have fucking boots i know he hold up there also though didn't want to skip portions of the trail so i don't know i i feel like this sighting could be yay or nay i'm it could have been another either way I'm thinking no, but only because 10 days is a long time for him to go without getting in contact with anybody. It, it's like the gas station What if one. his phone's dead at this point, Right, but though? he's at a—it's it, like the gas station sighting. If he's at a gas station or he's at a bar or he's wherever, why would he not take that opportunity to contact somebody and be like, yo, my phone is out of service? Not to mention— he would have come across other people, right? Like, he could have messaged somebody. But the truck driver wouldn't have been... A- the construction worker wouldn't have been able to... There they would have been... There would have been no... They couldn't have done anything. There wouldn't have been service at no. that junction, yeah. Now, the next sighting we have is the bear hunters. And this one has lots of opinions about it. So, two bear hunters on or around October 22nd, same fucking day said that a hiker came up on them and that they talked to him. They described his clothing in detail, but this would have been after. They came forward after the missing poster had already come out with his clothing and gear on it. Now, I also read that the two hunters posted pictures of themselves at a football game the same day that they claimed to be hunting and encountered Chris. Congratulations, you just lost the tip of your fucking (laughs) finger. Also, it should have taken him two to three days to get to this spot, but their sighting is 10 days after he was last seen. So this one is 
even closer to where he went missing, but it's 10 days later. So I have a question for our hunters out there that are listening to this, because I know that someone, at least one person listening to this is a hunter. Do you go to football games the same day you go hunting? Or are you kind of like hunting all day? day. Yeah. Do I have a misconception about hunting? Not to mention, where is this football game? It's probably not close to where they're hunting, obviously. Now, say he did leave the trail to dry out, get some supplies, get out of the weather, take a couple days off, and then ended up in this place. Why wouldn't he have contacted somebody in that time frame, right? Anyway, there are a lot of counts for and around the 22nd. Could there have been a Sherpa lookalike running around by this stage in the hike? Yes. Yes, there could have been. So to Maddie's point earlier, like, was there a hiker in the gas station that day? Was there a hiker in the bar that day? Even though the bartender definitely said that he said his name was Sherpa, could she just have remembered it that way once seeing the flyer or hearing about the missing hiker. I don't know. I don't want to call anybody a liar. But now the town of Mazama, where the gas station clerk claimed to have seen him, is one of the locations where he had mailed a package. When the family checked to see if the package was there, it was not. But there was no record of Chris signing for it because they usually run off the honor system. They were also unable to find his next box from Snoqualmie. So we do have two of his packages that are missing. But there's no footage or record of he himself picking them up. Now, could his boxes have sat there for a couple weeks and somebody else taken them? Possibly. Or could he have made it to those next two stations before disappearing? Also, maybe... But we also know that the gas station attendant was mistaken. So I find that a strange coincidence. Don't you? Yeah. Now, if Chris had continued and picked up his boxes along the way, he may have been able to avoid leaving a paper trail. But then where did he go? Also, just to prove a point about I'm not saying that Chris is, like, a not-unique-looking man or, like, anything like that. But all I have to look up is man-hiking PCT. Yeah. All I have to look up online. And I've already found one, two... Like, many hikers that look like Chris. Three. Yeah. Tell me that doesn't look like Chris in a baseball cap. That could definitely be Chris. Like... So, Maddie literally just pulled up some random picture of a guy, and he's got a hat on, and he's got, like, a... A thing around like his a sh- neck. Like a sunshade. Yeah, and he literally, it literally could be a picture of Chris, but it's not. But like, yeah, there's just, it'd be so easy to mistake. Now, the yeah. one thing that did make Chris really stand out was his sandals. But none of the witnesses said he was wearing sandals. Yeah. Which to me would have been like... Well, also, thing. if you are around the PCT, you probably do end up seeing a lot of hikers in their sandals, especially when you go a little bit off of the PCT, I mm-hmm. feel like. Well, I don't know about the PCT in general, but I'm thinking about hiking in general. I feel like, like you know, you get off the trail, you're not hiking anymore. You, you're going to take you those fucking boots on. off. Well, there were times when we were in Europe where when we got to like a road or something, we would take our boots off and throw our sandals on just to like air out our feet. 
I took my boots off quite a bit. Maddie took her boots off more than I did. I was getting really bad heat rash underneath my boots. It was actually horrible. Yeah, her her boots didn't vent as well as mine. But, like, you do take your boots off. But we're dealing with, like, bad weather, too. So, I don't know. There were, of course, psychics that came forward. Naturally. Mm-hmm. In the book, Trail of the Lost, which we talked about in our last episode as well, Chris's mom, Sally, received advice from more than 25 psychics. Some said that he had died due to a fall. Some said he was in a tent buried in the snow, hidden in the trees, at the bottom of a cliff, under a bridge, being held captive. One said that Chris came to her in a dream saying, I hiked over 2,000 miles all the way to Washington, and I made such a rookie mistake. So psychics coming forward... They did look into as many of them as they could. I mean, I imagine not all of them could be. We've definitely, in some of the cases that we've, like, gone searching and looked into, we've had things like that come up where people are like, here is the GPS coordinates. They're within four miles of this whatever. And, I mean, you you can't follow up on everything. It's not possible. So... Theories in this case are very similar to other theories that we had in the Chris Sylvia case, in the David O'Sullivan case. Like, they range from foul play to disappearing on their own to cult farming to simply lost in the woods. Now for the foul play theory. So could Chris have run into someone that wanted to harm him? I mean, we can never rule out foul play. We really just can't. You never know. We've had hikers murdered for their gear in some of our cases. So you can never fully rule that out. No. Did he take off? He was nearing the end of his journey. Could he have been struggling with it coming to an end? He seemed to be in really good spirits. He was really close to his family. I don't know about that. I... Why in every case when we get to foul play, why are we always talking about pot pot farmers? Because that's like one of the main theories in the woods is people coming across pot farms. I was talking about that with one of the people I was hiking with last week because when we go out on searches, we're kind of in the the woods, like where you might actually find something like that. But do people think that there's like pot farmers like growing pot farms right off of the trail that people are accidentally wandering into? I don't know why that theory always comes up. And we were actually just laughing about that. A couple things. Alpine Science did like a little thing on some of these sightings or theories. So they basically said they believed that he was off trail somewhere between White Pass and Chinook Pass. A 28-mile section. How far off trail is the question? So basically saying that they believe he's between White Pass and Chinook Pass, right? And they just think that he's off trail, but they don't know how far. And then they talk about how these other sightings have served to completely derail the search and have been extremely damaging to the search and a waste of resources and time. Chris did not survive the storm that ended everybody's through hike in one foul swoop, only to have a random event cause his disappearance a few weeks later. The storm is the crux. So their theory is that this storm is what caused his disappearance. They're saying it's unlikely that he survived the storm to have something else happen weeks later after these sightings. He doesn't have boots. 
He doesn't have boots. He's wearing sandals and it's snowy. I know. It's a snowstorm rolling in. In 2017, Chris's dad, Mike, would pass away from cancer without ever knowing what happened to his son. I hate that. No sign of Chris has ever been found. Not his gear, not him, nothing. Now, in 2017, I did find a timeline video made by David Detail Wolf. David Wolf. You can find it. I'll put a link to it in our timeline, in our timeline, in our show notes. But basically, he starts at White Pass. He does note that he had sporadic service. He had Verizon and so did Sherpa. At nine miles from White Pass was one such place where he got some service. But we don't even know if Sherpa's phone was working by this point, right? Now, at mile 23048, he comes to a campsite. And if Chris had kept going, it would have just been getting dark by the time Chris reached this area. So if he had made it 23 miles that first day, this is where this would have been like the first good place to camp. But I do like that he does videos along the way so you can kind of see what the terrain looks like, although the weather is better when he's there. Mm -hmm. He also does, this is what time it is for me, but this is what time it would have been for Chris because he doesn't start the hike at the same time as Chris. He starts in the morning, not in the afternoon. It would have been getting dark and he would have been very wet by this point. And all of the campsites in this area are a little bit exposed. So he wouldn't have had any good cover if he did make it to this spot. The next morning would have been miserable. It rained all night. And on the 13th, it was even worse. Laughing Creek Water Trail was about five miles to the road where he could have hitched out. So in this area, he could have gotten to the road with a five-mile detour, which is downhill and half the distance that it would have taken him to get to Chinook Pass. So one of the theories that this guy had was maybe he decided to branch off at this point. Like he thinks that's one of the more likely areas that Chris might have gone to. But he shows a lot of the terrain in the video, which I did like. In 2018, a northbound hiker came across some abandoned gear. He took pictures and sent them to Sally It was a blue tarp, a sleeping bag, a foil emergency blanket, some dehydrated food, and a sleeping pad. He even sent a GPS of the location of the gear. It appeared to have been out there for a while. And this was near Spectacle Lake, which is about 118 trail miles north of Chris's last known place. This would match the sighting from a trail runner in 2017. So a trail runner had thought they saw Chris in this area that came forward in 2017. The tent and pad matched the colors of what Chris was carrying. And when examined, it was determined that the gear did not belong to Chris, though. There was a couple things that I kind of wanted to address in what we've listened to so far. One was the 1-800 number that he called for 20 minutes. And I was thinking, could this be him trying to set up his spot? So when I look up the spot activation number on their website, they have an 866 number listed, which I think is the same as an 800 number, but I don't know if it was specifically an 800 or an 866 number that was called. 
if his device wasn't in reach, their number is an 800 number. So could that have been who he was trying to call? Maybe. Or it could have been like his cell phone carrier, too, if he was having trouble charging his phone. I honestly don't know. It is weird to me that he had a 20-minute conversation, though, with an 800 number, and we don't know who he called. So one crazy thing that did happen while Chris was out doing this hike, he's actually interviewed by a Korean film crew while on the PCT. They were filming hikers all over the world for a documentary called Journey on Foot, and they filmed many PCT hikers in 2016. When they found out about Chris being missing, they actually sent his family and authorities the unedited film of their interview with him, which is such a cool thing to have. I'll post a link to the video, but in the video, his hair is messy. It's morning. He's obviously not a morning person, um, but he talks about his experience this far and how he got his trail name. Um, he talks about why he prefers to wear sandals on the trail. I just think it's really cool that they have this footage. And they they taped him for a really long time. Like, they have him on video brushing his teeth, doing yoga, packing up his bag. He's like, I'm going to go take a shit now if you guys want to get that too. Like, they videoed him for a long time. He comes off as a very genuine person, I think, in the video. Another thing, you can find notes, signs, and even stickers on the PCT saying, Chris, call your mom. Like, they're everywhere. Sad. Ugh. But yeah, that is the story of Chris Fowler. It's not super similar to Chris Sylvia because he was only hiking a section of it, but it's similar in the way that they both just kind of vanished. Mm -hmm. But at least with Chris Sylvia, his gear was found. With... Chris Fowler, nothing has been found. So weird. So weird. So, yeah, we are going to hop over to our bunker talk. We're doing our bunker talk on both cases. Let us know if you have any thoughts on this case, and we will talk to you guys soon. One, two, three, four. I mean, I had multiple days that I was, like, trapped in my apartment because they were repaving. I'm like, Madison, where are you? She's like, I'm trapped in my apartment. They're repaving the parking lot. I'm like, what in the fuck? Yeah, I got it. So the day, not the day that we were supposed to record, but the day before that was the day they started paving on my side of the complex. And they hung, you know, two flyers up by the mailboxes, which I never even checked the mail. And I never even walked down there. I checked the mail in my car when I'm So Madison past. did receive some sort of notification. She just didn't know she received it because she no. didn't look at well, it. Well, not only this, but they put, like, these little flyers that were, like, in, like, plastic wrap on a bunch of the balconies, like, a, the front doorways. Mm-hmm. But they didn't put one on ours. At all. I'm, let me mention that. There's not one of, there was not one of these tags on our stairwell. <laughs> it was on all the other stairwells, but I'm not going to walk up to someone else's fucking stairwell and look at this piece of paper. It's not my stairwell. <laughs> like, what? Why would I do that? And they've been redoing the people's stairs and stuff. So that's just what I assumed the papers, the tags mm-hmm. were because, you know, your stairs are being replaced. You can't fucking go anywhere when they're replacing your stairs. Yeah. But I get a knock on the door at 
fucking 8 a.m. while I'm sleeping. I wake up and this lady's like, uh, you need to move your car. And I'm like, um, why? What? What's happened? Like, I'm in my boxers and a tank top. Like, I'm not dressed to answer the door. But she was, it was like pounding on the door. Open the door. Yeah. So she's like, you need to move your car. This one pulls up a photo of my car. I'm like, what? Why? What? What's happening? Why do I need to move my car? She goes, we're paving. And I was like, oh my God, I have no idea. I'll move my car right now. So I had to go move my car to the Safeway parking lot next door. I had to go move Hayden's car to the Safeway parking lot next door. And the, then they towed a bunch of cars. <gasps> well, you're lucky that fucking lady was pounding on your door. Yeah. They almost towed our neighbor's car because our neighbor's car parked in our other neighbor's spot. And they almost, they were this close to towing away their car, but then they went to work. Oh my God. And they towed like, the, there was this. Can you imagine having your car towed from your own parking spot? Yeah. Well, so the, the cars that got towed were cars that were in guest spots. Mm. That there is no one to knock on their door because they don't know who that they car belongs, who it belongs to. to. There's like there were like a couple cars that like permanently. There's a lot of old people that live in my condominium, mm-hmm. and um, they don't like a lot of them don't drive like ever. Like a lot of the cars park and they, and they never stay. move. Yeah. They're always there. They never move their cars. So one of the car like three of the cars that got towed, they're the cars that never move. <laughs> so now. I'm sure somebody will track them down. Maybe. I don't know. It's giving me anxiety for the van that got towed that's literally been parked in the same exact spot since I moved into this complex. And you're like, where's the van that I know? I'm really anxious for the person who owns the van. Like, their van is gone, and (laughs) I have anxiety for it. (laughs) Okay. So this is, like, the inside of the Cracker Barrel. This is, like, the restaurant part. I see it. Okay. Um... It looks very like kitschy, like yes, okay. yes, yes, yes. Um, I'm trying to find a picture of. This is what the outside of a Cracker Barrel looks like. Oh my god, that's so weird. Why are there rocking chairs? And this is like are this those is... for like the ghosts of the dead people that don't eat breakfast there anymore? Because why are there so many rocking chairs? I don't know. I don't and like this that. is like a more put together one. Like this is more like what I've fucking walked up to. Okay. I mean, I guess all these ones look the same. I want... I want... I don't know. You're, like, looking for a variety, but they all look exactly the same. All, maybe... Do they all actually look the I same? Don't know. Because all I'm finding is I feel like a picture of this... Like, this is what it looks like underneath. What the fuck is that? Why are there rocking chairs the everywhere? The rocking chairs really bother me. I don't like that. I don't know. It was scary, and me and Cadence were just making my stepmom angry because we were like (laughs) what is this where have we been taken i don't know they're scary yeah see and then like this is like a counter in it like this is the store part like this is what you walk into. oh yeah that looks like a legit like convenience store yeah it looks like a little like like a kitschy convenience store. yeah but like 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 a gift shop convenience store yeah okay and like that's like where I feel like it's I need like, to go to Cracker Barrel now. You do. Anyway, but we're it's so off track right now. Scary. <laughs> we just talked about Cracker Barrel or Barrel for like fifteen minutes. Okay. I feel like I could talk more about it. <laughs> I could talk about how one of my sisters cried inside of a Cracker Barrel. Not now. Okay. What if he was actively shitting his pants? What if he was actively then he had needs diarrhea? the sandwich even more. But what if he just didn't want meat or something? I'm just saying, 
the meatloaf sandwich. This boy does not. This boy has not been well, turning down free what food. What if he was? What if he had straight diarrhea from that meatloaf sandwich, <laughs> and then he got offered this sandwich, and he goes, "No thanks. I I know what happened last time. I took a free sandwich." I just find this particular sighting not super credible. Okay, well, let me read the rest okay, of it before ahead. anyone else <laughs> makes any more goddamn opinions about it. Um. So yeah, he turned on the free sandwich. Um, yeah, so let me preference this. He is, he would have had to, let me preface. 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 Yeah. Whatever the fuck it is. Everyone knows. It doesn't matter if I pronounce things wrong. Everybody always knows what I mean. Go. This is the same word we had an argument about last week. I have never pronounced that word correct. And you know how many people have corrected me or even known that I pronounced that word wrong? None. You don't even know. You don't check messages. You don't know if anybody's correcting you on shit. Oh, well, I don't give a fuck what anyone says on this podcast. I'm talking about real life interactions. Oh, it's real life. This isn't real. I'm talking into a microphone right now. None of this is real. (laughs) This is all just posted on the internet. It's all fake. It's all fake. Nothing is real anymore. How do these people not know that we're IA generated right now? They don't. They don't. They they have no fucking clue. This we whole are thing. Not IA this generated. whole thing could be artificial intelligence. Anyway. And they okay. wouldn't even know. Okay. Go. You'd have no fucking idea. Okay. So let I think, me I think AI would have pronounced the word properly. <laughs> okay. You know what? And Pronunciation is all made up. Somebody have, made it up. Someone decided. mixed up the two cases. <laughs> like we did last week. You know, Manasma. Mazama? 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 There's no N there. You just like threw an N at the before the Z there. It feels right. There are silent letters <laughs> it feels all the right. time. Apparently, this word has a silent N in it, you guys. Or a non-existent N, but you can hear it. What's the opposite of a silent letter? It's What would the opposite of that be? Like, usually... You, an invisible letter. An invisible letter. There we go. There's an invisible letter in this word. It's invisible, but that does okay. not mean that it's <laughs> silent. Okay. Mazama. Mm-hmm. Mazama, Washington is a fucking place. Yeah. It's a real place. You want to go there? No. Okay. That sounds scary. Sounds like a not real place. A not real place that we're talking about on a not real podcast. In a world that is completely auto-generated and not real at all. Yeah. Yeah. You don't know. I don't. We could all be living in a video game. I literally, it's funny, I was was hiking at, at Vesper Peak and there's like the lake at the top right before well before you get to the peak of vesper but there's like the lake Mm -hmm. and then the lake is completely closed in right like there's nothing Mm -hmm. but then as you're coming up towards the lake there's all this running water just like coming down the mountain and i'm like where the fuck is this water coming from like how is it there's no snow left on the top there's nothing to melt where the fuck is it coming from and i was like this is not even real and the person i was with was like you might be right (laughs) I mean, anyway. There are so many things that don't make sense. It could be. I know. Okay, go. It is possible. Anyway. Um, That said, he sold a butterfly. A butterfly? A butterfinger? Yeah, there you go. 
I was thinking a butterfly knife for some reason. Oh, okay. with that G in there. I don't know. My brain jumped. Ahead. More invisible letters. I have mentioned this on the podcast before. I don't think I actually know how to read. <laughs> I fully think I have just memorized a lot of words and like what they look oh like God. without actually having the capability of sounding out and reading. I can't even relax when Maddie's reading part of the script because I have to be watching the script to make sure she's not just making random shit up in the middle of it. <laughs> As you should. I I feel like you're still surprised about this. I, I know. I don't know why time, I am. And I don't know why. I was uh I was recording a trip report with Phoenix yesterday. It was like a hike that I did. She wasn't there, but she was like down here. And I'm like literally talking or saying something and she's like, You got that one wrong. And I'm like <laughs> Good shit, Phoenix. <laughs> what the fuck? A round of applause. So anyway, the eight-year-old officially like reads the script better than you do. The eight-year-old has the capability of reading. It's almost like you have one kid that has severe dyslexia and the rest of them for some reason don't. And are super smart. And super good at fucking reading. You know what candy I wouldn't eat? What? Three Musketeers. Shut up. I like a Three Musketeers. Yeah, and I'm judging you. Not that's very your often, candy. though. It's not my when favorite. I, when I was a kid, it was your favorite. I know. I used to love Three Musketeers. I got a little burnt it's out on weird. them. Weird. They're gross. We were just watching, um, me and Phoenix are watching Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. She's like kind of terrified, but she really wants to watch it. And they're talking about like how only monsters like Three Musketeers because you have to be crazy to like yeah, a, a stupid musketeer. candy bar with with nougat in it or whatever. Nothing it was. but nougat in it. And chocolate. It, they're good. Barely any chocolate. Nougat is... Gr- I'm actually... You want me to cause an entire controversy? I... <laughs> I... I don't like Milky Ways. I don't like Twix. I don't like Three Musketeers. I don't like Milky Ways, Twix, or uh, the other one you said. I just like the Three Musketeers. Milky Ways are disgusting. I do Twix not like are nougat. not my favorite. What's the other one that has nougat in it? Uh, That's like Milky Way, but it's not Milky Way. I don't think there is one. I think a mistake can now, is reasonable, but like, are you lying? I don't know. Was there actually a man that came in and got a Butterfingers? Because if there wasn't, I don't know. I, I I couldn't. I tried to figure that out. If they did find a different hiker that came in that day, but I couldn't even find if they had found any hiker that came in that. Because day. Because I say that if you lie about something like that, we cut off the tip of one of your fingers. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Um, a lot of people are going to be losing fingers in this uh, in this case. I think that I think that that's <laughs> acceptable. You're not going to lie about weird shit like that anymore. Remember the. Was it a, a model or an actress or somebody? Somebody kind of famous who lied about seeing a hiker on a trail because she said she was trying to keep the case alive, but she rever- caused a lot of resources yeah. to be... I don't remember what case yeah. that was that we did, but I please someone tell Tip us. Tip of your One finger. Of you know. Tip of your finger. Gone. Gone. <laughs> okay. You get no tip of one of your fingers. You can choose what finger if sure, you Sure, whatever finger. But... Whatever finger. Start you're gonna with the lose. pinky, maybe. Next time you lie, it's going to be the ring finger. I mean... I, I would, I think, I think I might go for my middle finger. I think it would be funny. See, I think that would be disturbing. I'm going for the pinky. Okay. Or I'm just not going to lie about shit. Oh, well, that's, that's the first step is that I wouldn't lie about something like this. Right. Which is why I'm not going to get my finger clipped off. But if you do lie about weird shit like this, you should get the tip of your finger cut off. Okay. I'm for it. 
I'm there. Okay, go. Cool. Cool. Um, yeah. I don't know. Let me know if you want to hear any of my other punishments I think we should have for weird things and crimes. Because There's been a few. Remember the the weapons of hierarchy, yeah. the thing that we did? We might need to do that with, like, Maddie's punishments. Yeah. Because, first of all, if you're a rapist or anything, first of all, I think you should die. But if we're not going to be killing people, right, right. You, definitely get, you definitely get neutered. For sure. <laughs> you get the whole thing castrated. All I the way around. I was going to say, you got to go with castrated because neutered would just be like your balls cut off. Yeah, castration. Yeah. You get castration. Whole thing. I think somebody gave us a suggestion for like another mug or a sticker that had to do with one of your punishments. I don't remember which one it was. That'd but. be good. I want that on a mug. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of punishments that I think we need to enforce because some things I don't think should be happening in society. Yeah. Okay, go. I think you should get all your toes cut off if you abuse an animal. Okay. I think that's a good one. Okay. All of them. So you can't balance correctly. So everyone knows that when you're hobbling down the street like that, that you have abused an animal before. Oh, my God. Okay. I'm there for it. I like it. Okay. <laughs> Fucking back on track. Let's go. <laughs> Fuck. Where am I? On October 22nd. All right. At the top. Okay. Oh, I did. In that, he, you can keep your finger, sir. Yes. If you believe or you think you right. may have interacted, for right. sure come forward. But if you're going to straight up fucking lie and like throw like the whole investigation in, off, right. yeah. Yeah. Then fingers cut off, tip of your finger. Yeah. Maybe multiple, depending on how bad the lie is. I don't really bug it. That's fine. <laughs> um, so 